with someone who's checking out a classic film, long-running TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. This episode, we're going to do something, um, I think, kind of fun, inspired primarily by a previous episode that we did um, where I inserted myself into a Mark Marin WTF episode. And it reminded me of a song called Mr. Jaws, which was a novelty song from the 70s, obviously inspired by the movie Jaws. But it made me think of some other novelty songs that I had heard growing up that had been a big part of my youth and I think have fallen by the wayside. And uh, one of the first ones was the song Earache My Eye by Cheech and Chong. And as I mentioned in passing previously, I bought two 45s the first time I ever bought 45s any kind of records of any kind. I got two at the same time. I got Nothing From Nothing by Billy Preston. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you want to be with me. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something if you want to be with me. album of a bunch of different hits that included uh pillow talk by by sylvia somebody or other <laughs> it was a real real interesting mix i think it also had spoken in the boys room by the original brownsville station version at any rate so earache my eye is featured in the movie up in smoke but it came out on record before then cheech and chong had a prior kind of novelty hit with a song called basketball jump I need help, ladies and gentlemen. I need someone to stand beside me. I need, I need someone to set a pit for me at the free throw line of life. Someone I can pass to. Someone to hit the open man on the give and go, and not end up in the popcorn machine. So chill, ladies. Then later on they did Earache My Eye, which has a whole narrative to it. And we'll telescope this a little bit so that we uh, don't get into trouble. But you'll get the gist of it. Make a lot of money, 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 money. 
Richard, man, I just bought it! I don't care what you just bought. You get your little fanny perpendicular and get ready for school. I'm not going to school. What do you mean you're not going to school? Just what I said, I'm not going to school. And why not? Because I'm sick, that's why I'm not sick. You're sick, all right. What's wrong with you now, Prince Charming? I got an earache. E earache, my eye! How would you like a buttache? Now get your little fanny out of that bed and, and clean up this room. It looks like a pigsty. You hear me? <coughs> all right, that's enough. That's enough. You pushed me far enough, young man. You're getting punished. Now stand up. No! I said stand up! I let go of my hair, man! Now, young man, I have talked to you and talked to you and talked to you till I'm blue in the face and I'm done talking to you. Good. Does that mean you're done spitting on me, too? Shut up! I'm not done talking to you. Now turn around and bend over. <laughs> Oh, what are you gonna do, you pervert? Pervert? Why are you snotty? Oh, 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 shut up! I haven't even touched you yet. Now I want you to know this is gonna hurt you a lot more than it's gonna hurt me. Uh. Oh, wow. That didn't even hurt. Oh, yeah? Uh. Oh, wow. What are you trying to do? Tickle me? Tickle you? Yeah, I'll tickle you. Oh, oh, oh is that tickle, huh? Oh, Come on, let's tickle. Come on, laugh it up, Tony Boy! No more, no more, no more! All right, are you gonna do what I tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah! You gonna talk back to me? Yeah, yeah! What? I mean, no, 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 no! All right. Now you get your clothes on and get your little butt ready for school. Right now, do you understand? Yeah, yeah. All right. I listened to Earache My Eye so many times. I just had the whole song memorized. I thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, I, those lyrics are not complex, certainly, but I still know them to this day, not having heard the song in decades. Uh, my mama took it to me, try to tell me how to live. Uh, it's a great song. I don't know why it's not done more. It should be covered by somebody. Cheech and Chong is not necessarily my go-to for comedy, for humor. Then or now, really? Uh, you know, it's kind of very punny, I think. Kind of very old-fashioned corny jokes, although um, Dave's not here still makes me laugh. And there's a couple of lines in that that still make me laugh. The way he, um, the way Cheech, as the dad, tells him to get your clothes on and get your little ready for school. That really always makes me laugh. I don't know why. Um, tickle you? <laughs> Corporal punishment is hilarious. Uh, I think it's because too, it's two grown men that I'm okay with laughing at it. Earache My Eye was one of the first novelty songs I, I became aware of. And then soon after that, there was kind of a real awareness of eating healthy and labeling things junk food and being really aware of what was good for you and what was bad for you. And there was a song that got played quite frequently at the time for maybe <laughs> six months called Junk food junkie. Oh, I love that organic cooking. I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural. On down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt. White sugar don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. All but night, I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key. And I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see. I open that door so slowly, take a peek up north and south. 
Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. Time I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. Oh, folks, but lately I have been spotted with a Big Mac on my breath. Stumbling into a Colonel Sanders with a face as white as death. I'm afraid someday they'll find me just stretched out on my bed. With a handful of Pringles potato chips and a ding dong by my head. In the daytime, I'm Mr. Nasser, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. And now, of course, there have been novelty songs forever, going back, I'm sure, to the 1800s. I think. Probably we get more familiar with the novelty songs starting in the 50s and early 60s with, you know, Purple People Eater and Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini and Monster Mash and those things all feel very novelty-ish. But I I think that they died out during the important part of the 60s, the part of the 60s that was about protest and burning draft cards and all of that stuff. There wasn't a lot of patience for novelty songs. Save for maybe uh, Country Joe and the Fish getting everybody at Woodstock to spell fuck. Uh, <laughs> besides that, maybe? I don't know. Uh, there weren't a lot of novelty songs. So with the sort of release into the 70s where, you know, you kind of feel the cultural shift of all of this struggle kind of just being like, screw it, I'm too tired. And I just wonder if that's kind of where we're, where we're sort of headed now. You know, we've had four hard years capped off with a real real high point of literal <laughs> insurrection and sedition uh, so I wonder if in two three years it's going to be kind of a, a, a new version of that sort of early to mid 70s let your hair down kind of just have fun kind of a thing one of the things that came from that was streaking which I still don't understand why that became a thing but I was a kid and there would be news reports of how somebody was streaking somewhere and somebody was streaking somewhere else and while they were doing the news report somebody would streak behind him and somebody streaked at the uh, Oscars and uh, David Niven had the great line about a man comfortable demonstrating his shortcomings something like that Ray Stevens had had uh, several novelty hits the first one that I remember well, he had two that really kind of broke through. One is wildly unacceptable and inappropriate now called Ahab the Arab. I'm not going to play you a sample of that. If you're that curious about it, go find it on YouTube. Uh, it's very dated, very inappropriate now. But uh, another one that he had was called Guitar Zan, a song about Tarzan, but as though he were uh, kind of an Elvis kind of a singer, I guess. And there's a couple of things that, I still really enjoy about this. The canned audience. It reminded me of the laughter that they pipe into Sgt. Pepper when I heard this. I think I heard them about the same time. And so it was just this weird phenomenon of hearing that sort of real canned laughter piped underneath to give the effect of an audience. That false audience kind of uh, stood out to me and I enjoyed it in a strange kind of a way. The different vocal stylings where he does Tarzan and 
Cheetah and Jane. It's a dumb song. It's not terrific. It's very dated in terms of the musical content and all that stuff. It's fine. It's got a little, she does a little jazzy scat singing thing that's kind of cute. Guitars Anne was the first real big one that I remember from Ray Stevens. <laughs> He's free as the breeze, he's always at ease He lives in the jungle and hangs by his knees As he swings through the trees without a trapeze In his BVD <laughs> He's got a union card and he's practicing hard To play the guitar, gonna be a big star Yeah, he's gonna go far and carry moonbeams home in a jar He ordered checks, guitar core, COD Makes A and E and he's working on B And dig C and W and R and B And me and the chimpanzee agree That one day soon he'll be a celebrity Get it, get it, get it, get it out Guitar's in, he's a guitar man He's all you can stand, give him a hand Guitar's in Saturday night, they need some excitement. Jane gets right and the monkey gets tight, and their voices unite in the pale moonlight, and it sounds all right. Yes, yeah, dynamite, it's out of sight. Let's hear it right now. I probably heard Guitarzan from my parents. They probably had it on some compilation album or something. But The Street got a lot of airplay for, again, a very short period of time. Hello, everyone. This is your Action News reporter with all the news that is news across the nation on the scene at the supermarket. There seems to have been some disturbance here. Pardon me, sir. Did you see what happened? Yeah, I did. I was standing over by the tomatoes, and here he comes, running through the pole beans, through the fruits and vegetables, naked as a jaybird. And I hollered over to Ethel. I said... Don't look, Ethel! And it's too late. She'd already been in since. Here he comes. Boogie there, boogie there. There he goes. Boogie there, boogie there. And he ain't wearing no clothes. Oh, yes, they call him the street. Boogie there, boogie there. Fastest thing on two feet. Boogie there, boogie there. He's just as proud as he can be. His anatomy, he gonna give us a peek. Oh, yes, they call him the street. If there's an audience to be found, you'll be speaking it round, inviting public critique. Here it comes again. Who's that with it? Ethel! Is that you, Ethel? What do you think you're doing? You get your clothes on! Little selections of the lyrics from this song were catchphrases around my house, you know, boogity boogity and look at him go, he ain't got no clothes on, things like that we, you know, kind of laughed about. And it would get, this song would get played on, you know, top 40 radio. The aforementioned KFRC from last week would probably play The Streak 
So the cultural phenomenon that was streaking lasted for a short time, a couple of years, um, primarily, I guess, on college campuses is the way I remember it, uh, which is as it should be. You don't need some 36-year-old dude deciding to streak. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> I guess it depends on the dude, right? Right, ladies. Uh, the wizard will be back. Am I right? <laughs> um, so anyway, right after that, this other fad, there were so many fads in the 70s. You know, they had the pet rock and you had streaking and then you had CB radios. I'd always thought that CB radios came to the forefront with Smoking the Bandit, which was 77. Uh, but actually, this song predates Smoking the Bandit by about a year. So it had to have been happening before then. And friends across the street from me had a CB radio, the Pedagos. Their dad had a CB radio. Pretty sure it was a CB radio. Might have been a ham radio. I'm pretty sure it was a CB radio. No, it was a CB radio. He had one in his truck, and then he also had a home unit. And he would get on there, and he would talk to people. And we fooled around there one afternoon before the parents were home from work, and we're like, Breaker, breaker, what's your 20? Uh, <laughs> just trying to figure it out. And I think, I'm sure, you know, you think you're fooling people, but these truckers and whoever's driving by South San Francisco on, you know, 280 or 101 are like, why are these kids on a CB radio? Why are there nine-year-olds on this CB radio, eight-year-olds on the CB radio? This song spoke to that phenomenon of CB radios which were everywhere. Like, every people were putting CB radios in their cars, like their regular, like, you know, the old Datsun 280ZX. Somebody, I think my PE, my gym teacher, my PE teacher at grammar school had a CB radio in his 280ZX. But families were putting CB radios in, and they were talking to truckers and getting the lowdown on where Smokey was. And this song sprang from that. And this, the guy who does this, C.W. McCall, I think he was a, an ad agency guy, and he written some commercials and he had this one song and that was it uh, breaker one nine this here's a rubber duck you got a copy on me big fan come on oh uh, yeah 10-4 big fan for sure for sure by golly it's clean clear to Flagtown. come on yeah it's a big 10-4 there big fan yeah we definitely got the front door good buddy mercy sakes alive looks like we got us a convoy Dark of the moon on the 6th of June in a Kenworth pulling logs. Cab over Pete with a reefer on and a Jimmy hauling hogs. We is heading for Bear on I-10, about a mile out of Shaky Town. I says, Pig Pen, this here's a rubber duck, and I'm about to put the hammer down. Back off them hogs. Good, 10 4, about 5 miles or so. 10 Roger, them hogs is getting intense up here. Well, we laid a strip for the Jersey Shore and prepared to cross the line. I could see the bridge was lined with bears, but it didn't have a doggone dime. I says, Pigpen, this here's a rubber duck. We just ain't going to pay no toll. So we crashed the gate doing 98. I says, let them truckers roll 10 4. Yeah, we got a mighty cowboy, ain't you a beautiful sight? Come on and join our cowboy, ain't nothing gonna get in our way. Your boy's fucking cowboy, I'll see you 
And so after the success of both this song and Smokey and the Bandit, they then made a movie based on this song. So it all kind of came full circle. Uh, Chris Christopherson plays Rubber Duck. Ali McGraw is in it. Ernest Borgnine, Burt Young. <laughs> I'm just looking at the IMDb page. Franklin Ajay, he's great. He's hilarious. Yeah, so it's directed by Sam Peckinpah. He makes a, an uncredited appearance, apparently, as news crew director. A lot of great people in this really weird idea for a movie to base it off of a song. I haven't seen it. I can't watch it. I can't get through it. So I'm, you know, based on that, it's not very good. <laughs> Give it a watch for yourself if you can find it. So, yeah, so this became a thing where Convoy was a, a hit on the radio. Again, you could hear this on KFRC. The big 610. But that was a big hit, born out of the phenomenon of CB radios that were sweeping the nation. <laughs> so then, you know, we have this huge blockbuster film. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes back, where we talked about it at the top here, Mr. Jaws, which this is a trope, this is a device that DJs have been doing, I think, since the 50s. They used to get these um, promotional records where they'd be given a list of questions and then they would put the record on and this celebrity would answer the questions that they were supposed to be asking. So it would sound like you were interviewing this big shot Hollywood celebrity in your tiny little studio in, you know, Ottumwa, Iowa. You'd have Tippi Hedren there or whoever. And, of course, the more sort of out there DJs would come up with different questions for them to answer and then it would become a comedy thing that they would do on their on their show and so this is kind of a version of that where where can we find the drops you know to fill in these bits where we're kind of walking through the movie in two minutes or so because uh, we kind of go through the just the real high points of the plot in about two minutes uh, and we try to name check all the characters and so that's Mr. Jaws and I must have listened to this song I don't know how many times they used to have it memorized. We are here on the beach where a giant shark has just eaten a girl swimmer. Well, Mr. Jaws, how was it? Darn, oh my! And what did she say when you grabbed her? Please, Mr. Please. I know sharks are stupid, but what did you think when you took that first bite? How sweet it is. Mr. Jaws, before you swim out to sea, have you anything else to say? the local sheriff. Sheriff Brody, the shark will be back for lunch. What do you intend to do? Just arriving is oceanographer Matt Hooper. Sir, if someone is attacked by a shark, what should they do? We are going aboard the fishing boat of Captain Quint. Captain, will you be able to catch this giant shark? Thank you, Captain. Captain? Captain? Captain, when you catch one of these sharks, what do you feel like? Like a rhinestone cowboy. We've just sighted the shark again. He's coming straight for us. Captain Quint is shouting something at him. Get your baby one of these nights. Hey, Jaws, the captain says he's going to catch you. What do you think of that? Uh-oh, here he comes again. They've hit him. Mr. Jaws, why doesn't anything seem to hurt you? He's coming right onto the boat. Mr. Jaws, why are you grabbing my hand? Wouldn't you give your hand to a friend? No, wait. 
Mr. Jaws, that's not the way this record is supposed to end. Help! And of course, with some of those songs, I didn't know what they were at the time. And later I would hear them maybe on some radio station or somewhere. I forget what it would be. And I'm like, oh, that's the song from Mr. Jaws. Uh, so I became that guy who only knew the thing through a reference of something else and not originally of itself. So that was Mr. Jaws, a great classic novelty record from the 70s uh then disco strikes right that's one of the next if not the biggest phenomenon and it came to prominence for most of mainstream america in 77 78 when saturday night fever came out but discos were actually big for about four years before that and they were starting to actually die off and it was the suburb explosion of disco fever that kind of gave them a second life and as such uh, it was very polarizing. You know, some people were talking about death to disco and they did the thing in Chicago with the baseball game where they blew up disco records and started a riot. But everything had a disco version. And one of the ways I know that this was a for real scary, big, huge, enormous phenomenon was that the number of people who went disco proves how inescapable it was. The Rolling Stones did disco songs. And... I have this half-baked theory that I've espoused to friends of mine where people talk about the beginning of rock and roll with Elvis and Little Richard, and, and certainly that was impactful. But I don't think it was really until the Beatles came out that it became a culture shift. When you get that many white girls screaming over four white guys, uh, there's going to be a shift in the zeitgeist. And another way that I know that is that I would see in my dad's record collection Frank Sinatra did Something by George Harrison. He had a record called Basie's Beatle Bag, where Count Basie did a bunch of Beatle covers in the late 60s, early 70s. So when you have artists like that covering the Beatles, it's over, game over. Like, it's spread far and wide. It's inescapable. They were the first group to play stadiums. And when you see the footage of them at Shea, it's ridiculous. It's their <laughs> typical theater stage setup for a you know a 900 seat theater but in the middle of Shea Stadium on second base and you know plenty of documentaries about it but it's hilarious but they were the first ones to do that so that's huge the fact that their influence had everybody singing Beatles songs how many people sang yesterday you know this became a cultural thing and disco was the same same way disco became so pervasive everybody was having to do a disco version of this and that and the other thing and so along those lines one of the first things we have is god bless him a radio dj rick dees did disco duck Look at me, I'm the 
showed up on American Bandstand and did that song with somebody dressed in a giant duck costume. That's my memory of it. I think it was American Bandstand. And I just wonder if Dick Clark, who was a famous former radio DJ, just sort of looked at all of it and <laughs> recognized all too much of it and just was like, oh, brother, this guy. This guy's got his hook that'll last for three months. And that's about what it did last. And it just... There it was, somebody doing a knockoff Donald Duck voice. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, this is hilarious. And it's not. But then the next big phenomenon of that decade, so we have all of these novelty songs that spring out of all of these like fads and cultural movements. The next one combines two, because you get disco and Star Wars. know this is a huge cultural moment because this song goes on for something like seven minutes eight minutes this was played in actual discotheques probably mostly in Europe but occasionally in America a thing disco star wars and they covered all the bases lightsabers r2d2 guitar solo Thank goodness we got the Cantina song in that eight-minute Star Wars disco medley. Whew, that is tough sledding. I, I mean, I don't know if that counts as a novelty song per se, but it because <laughs> it doesn't have a lot of novelty to it. Um, but, I mean, it's just one of those weird things that happened that was a response to the disco phenomenon. The last song we'll play for this episode is... The novelty song written by somebody who's legitimately funny, debuted this song on TV, and then had to go perform it in concert and all over the place. And this was, you know, comedy nerd nirvana in a way, to a, to a degree. So here we go. We're going to finish off with Steve Martin's King Tut. <laughs> People stand in line to see the boy King. King How'd you get so funky? Monkey Did you do the monkey? Only in Arizona, moved to Babylonia. King Tut. 
crocodile. He gave his life for tourism. Golden idols. A radio station in Chicago said that was the 11th most popular song in 1978. He's since done a bluegrass version of it. Born in Arizona, moved to Babylonia, got a condo made of stona. Anyway, those were some of the novelty songs of the 70s that I thought you might enjoy. Uh, I, I figure most of my listeners have not heard most of those songs. Um, and it was a particularly peculiar time, I think. That early to mid-70s was a little weird, where people were trying to readjust to post-Vietnam, but then heading into Watergate and trying to figure out what to do. And there was some weird, funny, novelty, weirdness things going on. So there you have it. I hope you'll join us again for the next episode here on Last one to the party. If you'd like to follow Jessica online, you can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. And Elena is E-L-A-I-N-A. You can follow me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason, and the theme music is composed by me, James Eason.